Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. All right, I'm, I'm excited to get to this, this word today. I want us to turn to Acts chapter 27. I'm going to read 27 through 37, and I'm going to read the ESV version here just to give a little um, clarity. Um, Acts 27, 27, this is the story of a very violent storm, Eurachlodon. Uh, um, is is the name of the storm, and I tell you what, they don't name storms like they used to, right? They're like, here comes Lisa. <laughs> That's why so many people get hurt. No one, no one's caring about Lisa. But when you say Eurachlodon, yeah, I get it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I'm doing what I need to do. But let's look at this this particular ship here. Acts 27, 27 reads this. When the 14th night had come, and we were dri- were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sound a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. The, the idea is that uh, they didn't know where they were because it was so dark. And so they didn't, they couldn't see and perceive the distance they were to shore. And what they, when they say a sounding is that they took a reading. They dropped a weight with a line and they dropped it down to the depths and they would count how much line went out. And then they would know how deep they were and how close they were to a shore. They did that at first and they were about 120 feet from the bottom. And then they waited a little bit and all of a sudden they're 90 feet from the bottom. So there's this moment where realizing shore is coming quickly okay 29 and fearing that we might run on the rocks they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come another translation is that they prayed for daylight to come and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers listened, and they cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. And uh, as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God. In the presence of all, he broke He broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. Verse 37 gives us us a clarity on how many were together. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. Today, I'm going to try to do my best to preach this thought. The light 
in the endless night. The light in the endless night, if I could subtitle it, it'd be the story of 275 men and one nightlight. And I'm going to ask us if we could one more time to bow our heads together and ask God to bless us. If you would with me, dear God, help us. Lord, bless us today. Speak into our hearts and our lives. Give us, give us understanding. Give us, give us the peace we need today, the strength we need. Feed our hearts, feed our souls. God, we need you more than ever. I pray, help me, Lord, your preacher today. God, we thank you, and in your name we pray. Would you say his name with me? Jesus' name, amen and amen. Clap your hands into the Lord one more time. <laughs> Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I would see Moses coming down from his appointment with the almighty God with stones in his hand. This is the second trip he's made. He's already made one trip before, but now on his second trip down, not only does he have those 10 commandments in his grasp, he also has a knowledge, a deep knowledge of how the beginning of the world began. He has a knowledge of, of generations before him. He has an understanding of intricate details. He has so much knowledge and understanding that he begins to put, you know, pen to paper and he writes the first five books of your Bible. He begins with Genesis as we know it and he writes this in Genesis 1 and 1. He says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day light has been the most vital element since our creation day one since day one literally light is a must-have Without light, we can just consistently stumble in darkness. Without light, it is a place where no one chooses to be or signs up to be. We must have the light. Light leads the way. We read about that in Scripture as the people of Israel are, are taking out of bondage and they're being led to a promised land and they're fleeing the oppression and they're fleeing a Pharaoh that's hunting them down and they're in this mist of trial of faith and they find themselves in Exodus 13 and 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. There was always God's light present to guide them. I hope we understand today the importance of God's light. And we understand that light is so necessary in my dark seasons. That when things are dim, when things are very dark, when I'm trying to navigate my life, I'm grateful that God has a light that leads my way. 
Judges 7 talks about a story. You know him well, Gideon and his men coming together to destroy an entire army with just 300 faithful. In their instructions, we read in Judges 7 and 20, and the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And when they did that, when they made that noise and when they shouted that phrase there was light in their hand that brought confusion among the enemy light has the way to press back darkness light has the way to confuse and, con and, and, and just just confine an enemy to hopelessness and I, I want us to understand that God has purpose for the light yeah. Light pushes away darkness at every chance it gets. You, you can test this theory out tonight as you're trying to navigate a garage full of, of random things and you're looking for something and you have precious little pinky toes. Lord, save my toes. Turn on a light. Grab a flashlight. Use that sorry little thing on the phone that they call a light. Try to... Just push back. When you click on that light, watch darkness flee. You see, you see a coin collector in Luke chapter 15, verse 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lost one piece, what does she do? She will light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. We have this individual who understands the only way I find the lost is by shining some light on it. Light pushes back darkness and it finds those in need. There's so many, so many ways in Scripture that we see light used. David would write towards the end of his life in this psalm. He would say Psalms and, and 1. He says, the Lord is my light. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, because Moses would write his really uh, 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 words down on how he saw the beginning of the world, the apostle John also gave himself some clarity too and gave us uh, some pages to read. When he would write in John 1 and 1, he would say this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him, was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not there was a man sent from God whose name was John the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe he was not the light but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into this world. We know that light has a name, right? <laughs> What's that name? Jesus. Jesus is that light. Jesus is very clear about it in John 8 and 12. He will speak up and say, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. David would write this in Psalms 30 and 5. 
he would see this this way. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And the reason we have joy in the morning is because that joy is hand-delivered by morning light. That phrase that we've said before, many of us have whispered it out loud or, or said to a friend or a coworker when it came to a situation that we're in. We probably made that, that statement. I see the light at the end of the what? Tunnel. That phrase means something. It means that I see that in my narrowness of hurt and darkness that I can see an end to it. I can see a hope that it's about to end, that it's, this is surely, surely I can see my hope awaits because I can see the light. But I have a question to each of us. What happens when there is no more light? What happens when you know light is coming? What happens when you know that sure enough, yes, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming, right? Because I know morning is like clockwork. It happens every 24 hours, right? It's going to rise. It's, it's going to come upon my life. I'm going to see it, but I'm asking the question to us today, what if we live in a perpetual night? What if we have nothing but endless night? Where does the light come from? To give some context to my, to my opening text, I want to talk about Acts 27. Acts 27, Paul, he is on his way, he's on his way to Rome, and he's purposed to be in Rome. He sat in several kangaroo courts already, declaring himself to be a free man, declaring himself to uh, not have broken any law, but have, has preached the name Jesus. But yet still he demands, he demands an appointment with Caesar. And every, every court he has been in so far has found him not guilty, which is really surprising. If he would not ask for this appointment, he could have walked free. But he chooses the purpose and the will of God is for him to be in Rome and to be before Caesar. And so they put him on a boat. They put him on a boat as a prisoner. They carted him to one boat after another. The centurions, that they didn't have just one boat leaving one area. They would try to gather the prisoners and all the, the, the men. The, uh, I read that there, there was 276 men total. So that, that, that group had a, a cook. That group had, had workers and, and other, uh, other people who served and made sure that there was other uh, uh, officers to make sure that those prisoners were in check. And they had to jump from boat to boat to go to island to island to make sure they can sail their way to Rome. So now they find themselves in this moment. They find themselves where they're on a boat and all of a sudden a wind begins to blow. And they realize this. And what's also interesting is that Paul forewarned them. He looked into the sky and he said, I don't know. I, I, I think we should wait it out. I, I think it'd be advantageous for us to pause and, and maybe not leave so soon. But still, those soldiers and those in charge, they heard them. But they're like, no, we have a job to do. We have a timeline we have to keep to. Who knows if we can make the next port and get on the next boat. We have to do what we have 
to do. Let's go. And so they get them all on a boat and they begin to sail and the, the wind begins to blow and it begins to do things. And they this, this wind begins to be more than just a wind. It begins to be more than just rain. This name of this storm, of course, is called Eurachlodon. And Eurachlodon means like a northeasterner wind. It, it, it's, it's more of a, geo, a geographical type of area and this type of force that comes in this area of the sea. And we see this storm begin to brew and to blow. And what's interesting is that they, they're doing everything they can. They, 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 they've been in storms before. These sailors have, are no, uh, are no uh, it's not their first rodeo, as they would say. This is familiar grounds. But still, they will not turn back. They're at a place where they're kind of captivated by the wind now. They have to understand in this moment that I can't continue to fight this storm. I'm in it, and I have to stay in it. Some wisdom will say sometimes you just have to yield. A sailor sometimes will say just put down your mast and just weather the storm. They're doing everything they can to do that. But after day after day goes by, they've noticed this, that the cloud cover is so dense that they haven't seen any light. One day goes by, and next day goes by. The storm gets worse and worse. They fear that they would run or ground. They, they begin to lower their gear. Next day, they begin to toss over cargo. They begin to, next day, they begin to throw over the ship's tackle. They're literally getting rid of every excess weight that they have, doing everything they can possibly to make sure that they're going to make it through the storm. They're getting rid of every essential that they possibly can hold on to so that they can make it to the next island. We find this interesting verse that really is the crux of my message in Acts 27 and 20. It says, When neither sun nor stars in the many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, I mean, no storm, no small storm was hitting us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. This group of men in this build, in this ship, I should say, is doing everything they can, but they don't see no light. They haven't seen the sun in days. They haven't seen the moon in days. There has been no light whatsoever, which brings us to one of the worst equations that any of us will go through, and that is this. When you're going through trials and you have no light, you will breed nothing but hopelessness. Hopelessness is that thing that doesn't fit your saying that you see the light at the end of the tunnel. No, your tunnel is unending. It's constantly dark, and there is no light awaiting. I want us to grasp how long they were on this boat. The Bible will tell us that they've been on this ship for 14 straight days with no light. They haven't seen the sun in 14 days. They're praying and hoping for daylight. Their, their circumstance, their situation is so bleak and so ugly and so dire that they're just saying, God, we can't see where we're at at sea. And man, we, we'd do anything to get out off this ship. But Lord, if we could just get a little light. If we could just get a, just, a, just a small beam to help us understand where we're at in life. No, no light. No light, there's no hope. And I, I wish I could get a church to understand that today. That when you don't have 
what's so bright in your life, when you don't have what's beaming in your soul, there is no hope. You cannot handle, I want to get away from my notes here. You cannot handle any circumstance on your own. I'm telling you right now, I have seen the strongest of strong endure so much pain and so much, so much hurt. I've seen, I've seen members in church go through cancer. I've seen them wither down. I've seen them, I've seen them bear, I I mean, holding on to life. I mean, just barely, but I can see still in their eyes that they still have a light inside of them, that they still had this thing deep inside of their lives that says, you know what? It's I still have hope. God's still real. And whether I die or not, God's still on the throne. That he's still faithful and he's still able. That I, I believe I have faith that God can do anything. I've seen that. But I've also seen, I've been to hospitals and prayed with certain people that were going through storms and situations. I've sat across married couples that I can see that they're going through situations and problems and hurt and circumstances. And it seems like the night is nothing but endless. And I try my best to flicker some light of hope in their situation. I try my best to pray some faith into some people that are going through problems. And I've witnessed this that without that light there is no hope there's no desire to keep going there's no desire to even try there's no desire to even fight for the things that you once loved there's no hope whatsoever I see this moment day after day all these all these men on this boat doing everything they can to survive yes yes the first week the first seven days was was very hard and I'm sure they knew well well, surely this is going to end it has to end it has to stop I mean what storm has ever gone this long how is this even possible I'm sure I'm sure tomorrow that that morning's gonna bring joy I'm sure I'm sure it's going to happen. Next day appears, just comes out of nowhere, and they have no idea. They have no idea the day changed because they can't tell time anymore. They're in in an endless loop of despair. How many would be honest and say, you know what? This is sounding like my circumstance. This is sounding like a little bit uh, very similar. That it seems like there are times where I just can't seem to see the end of my tunnel. That I, I've tried everything. I've, I've done everything right. I, I've rode the boat the best direction I know how to. I got rid of some things in my life. Can I, can I even interject this here I, as I read this story? I, I want us to hear this as, as Christians. And I try to use that word as honest as I can. I'm not a fan of the word Christian for some reason. It's because of the generic uh, connotation that it's become. But I, can I just say this? We as Christians have a misunderstanding of what happens in, in, in storms. We think that when a storm hits our life that we only see victory if we keep the things that we have through that storm. That we only get through things in our life and call it a victory and call it I've made it if I continue to hold on to the same things I walked onto the ship with. (sighs) What if we understand storms to be exactly what they're meant to be? They're meant to 
for us to get rid of things? What if storms are truly that thing that God allows us to live through so that we decide what's most important? Is, is, my, is my family important? Is the people on my boat important? Or is it this stuff that I need to, 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 to choose where the rudder goes or the tackling of my ship, the, 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 the situations over here? Is, is, is this, they got to the place, let me tell you, that they began to throw out the wheat they began to get rid of everything because they realized life was so much more important than stuff. And I ask ourselves, maybe the storm I'm, I'm just constantly being pushed and to and fro in, maybe it's because God is asking me to get rid of some things. Maybe it's taken that thing to get me outside of myself and say, you know what? What's the most important thing? Is it me trying to get on a on a little boat and save myself? Because we just read it in my opening text. That's what happened. They began to go to those little safety boats on the side, and they said, let's let's go ahead and put them down. Let's let's get inside there. But the man of God said, no, no, listen. If you go in that, you die. If you jump ship, you die. You lose what's most important to you. I speak to us today. If we jump ship, if we take this, what we look as escape route, that it is so simple in its form that surely I can make it on my own. If I separate myself from the ship, oh man. Let me tell you, no, that's not the, that's not the answer. The answer was that we had to stay together. I want to I read something that was really important because this is vital that we get this into our understanding. I'm going to go to Acts 27 and 21. I want us to understand that these men, the reason I count it this way, 275 men had one nightlight on board. We read this in verse 21, but after the long absence, Paul stands up. He stood up in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should hearken unto me, and I have loosed from Crete, and have gained this harm and loss. And now I beg you, I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall, <laughs> let me just, let me rewind here and laugh a little bit. How many of you hate those people that say, I told you so? That's what I was welcome to today as I walked in church. This, this sweet little girl wearing an outfit. I told you so. That's what she was. If you know, you know. But I, I want, I, this is what Paul says. He says, I told you so. And I thought about this because it's so important. I want us to get this. We do those, we say those same sayings, but here's the deal. If you're going to say it, then you better back it up with how to encourage somebody. Okay? I told you so, verse 22, but now let me encourage you. Let me exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Here's what's so important for us to grip today. 
There's got to be someone inside of your storm who's willing to be the light. Sometimes you're not going to get light from the sun. You're not going to get light from a worship service. You're not going to get light from, from a, a YouTube or a TikTok or a video that someone just read a good service, sir, scripture, I should say, and you know broke something down that you've never seen and brought some light. No, sometimes light doesn't come from that. Sometimes light doesn't come from the, the rotation of, this, of the earth and that all of a sudden it's a new day and a new circumstance and you can forget about yesterday and you can just move on and you're not... Sometimes light doesn't just, you know, appear on a new day for you in your circumstance. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to be the light. Wow. I could tell we're, we're just getting off Thanksgiving week. <laughs> I was praying this morning. I was like, God, I, I hate you flesh. I hate you flesh, but I fed you all week. <laughs> And I know that this is this is this is typical every Sunday ever Thanksgiving. It, it, it is it is not my favorite Sunday, and it's because this is we're lethargic, and and we're in a place where we have to realize something. We have to be told something today. It's time for us to start acting the way we're supposed to act. It's time for us to understand that if God has given me a gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost, then I better be bright about it. That I better I better shine about it. I better be that light. There's a time where I can't, here's a deal, I can't, there's times I can't pray myself through storms. What? What do you mean? <laughs> That's right. Sometimes you pray through storm goes against God's will. Sometimes that storm is God's will. And here you are saying, God, oh, you say to ask, you say to seek, you say to knock. I'm doing it all. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it all. Right. Why aren't you answering me? And God's like, you need this storm in your life. And you need to get to a place where you realize that it's endless. Yeah. And that's the question I have for someone in the house today. I'm not looking at it because I don't know who it is for. Are you in that place where you're like, when is it going to end for me? Right. When is this trial going to stop? When is this circumstance going to have uh, come to an end? When am I going to see? When am I going to understand that, that it's not just an endless cycle of darkness in my life? That's where, that's where there's got to be somebody on the boat who's not like anybody else and says, you know what, let me stand up and be that light. Yes. This is what Jesus would say in Matthew 5 and 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, where? That cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it give light unto all men in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Why? So they can see your good works and what else? They can glorify, give praise, give honor, understand the source of the light, which is in the Father, which is in heaven. I'm telling you right now, we need to start acting like what we're, what we're called to be. First Thessalonians 5 and 5. 
he would write this. Paul would say, Be ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. What was he trying to get us to understand? Start being what you're called to be. Start being who you're supposed to be. Stop being so dim and so dark and stop stop taking all your time and, and, and you know, putting putting some, what we see and what we feed ourselves off media and off, off junk and off things. Let me tell you what it does is that you're putting your candle under a bushel. There's a lot of bushels in this in our life today. We just don't call them bushels. Instagram, Facebook, politics, Michigan. <laughs> Help me, Lord. There are some things in my life I need to ask myself. Maybe it's time I start acting like the child I'm supposed to be. Maybe, maybe I've been putting it off on my pastor. Maybe I've expected somebody in my, in my church family to be my light. No, no, no. It's time for me to stand up and encourage this body and encourage this self in this endless night and say, you know what? Let me, let me, let me break it down even further. I love this part. I go back to Acts 27, verse, verse 24. If you could put that up there, Brother Stephen. This is, uh, this is Paul, verse 24. He says to, the, the, to everybody, he says, fear not. This is what the angel said to him. Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Let me, let me ex explain it this way. Sometimes your salvation is tied to your purpose. Sometimes your, the salvation of others is tied to your purpose. What was? Why did he have to go before Caesar? Because his purpose in life was to have a moment where he shared Christ with the president of the world. Caesar, Caesar ruled everything in the world on earth. And there was a moment that his purpose would bring him right before his doorstep. But not just that, his persecution. I'm asking you to understand this, and this is a hard thing because we hate the word persecution. We don't like to be persecuted. We, everything about our flesh wants to save itself. We, we don't like doing things the hard way. You, how many of you will be honest with me when you go to a grocery store next that you will drive up and down the lanes trying to find the nearest lane to the door? Right? All right. Someone shook their head. How, is there anyone who parked at the very furthest? You do? The very furthest? Okay, I've met you at the grocery store. We weren't at the very furthest, but pretty close. We have, most of us, don't like, don't like to put ourselves into situations that cost us or hurt us. Okay? How many of you be honest with me and say, you know what, that you woke up super chipper and excited and you were on time for church today? Now, I can definitely look at a few people and say, you are going to lie to me because you weren't here in the 10 a.m. <laughs> 
It's interesting how there's certain things that we'll put ourselves at risk for or we'll put ourselves at, and, and, and try to do things the hard way. But I'm, I'm trying to get to the point here today, and we can all stand. <laughs> Is that we need to get to a place where we realize that this flesh hates anything that attacks it, that hates anything that comes against it, that hates, that hates taking the hard way, and we look at persecution the same way. And I ask ourselves right now as I pray and try to grow myself in God, could I, could I willingly know that I'm heading into my death? Could I, could I live such a life for God that I know without a shadow of doubt that's where I'm going to die? That I run to my cross instead of hide from it. Do you see where I'm getting that? That I seek it out in my relationship with God. That, that when storms hit me hard, that it's not the storm that's, that's going to break me. It's not the lack of sunlight that comes from a somewhere, somewhere else that's going to bring me joy. Or the moonlight that peeks through the, the endless night that's going to give me some focus and rest. But it's the light that's inside of me that screams out that I need, I need to get through this circumstance with the relationship that I have with him. Let me, let me read it this way. Matthew 25. <clears throat> you know this story pretty well. Matthew 25 talks about these two types. There's, it's wise virgins and foolish virgins. And wisdom is found in these that prepared for a dark night. Wisdom is found in these, these particular virgins who decided, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I have enough oil for my lamp. <laughs> and there were other foolish virgins around them that just assumed that having a lamp that was working was useless. They just assumed that there was no great importance to that lamp. But when, when the midnight cry was made, the Bible says, meaning that here comes the bridegroom. It was those who were wise to carry enough to bring oil to be ready to be bright. And why is that so important? Is because is it wise to just bring extra fuel? Yes. But that's not really where the wisdom lies. The wisdom lies is that it's wise to fall in love with light. Because if I fall in love with light, I'll do anything I can to keep it alive and burning strong. How many of us would be willing to say, oh, I don't know if I've, I've truly fallen in love with the light. I'm not sure if I've, I really have grasped the depth of it and understood how vital it is. I'm telling you, it was the first thing on day one that God spoke into existence. We need to grab a hold of that understanding and say, you know what? I need to have that light in me. I need to be fueled and burning. And I pray today, trim the wicks of my life so that I may give off a pure light. I don't want to be just a dim light, but I want to be a bright light because I'm telling you right now, I'm in the midst of people in an endless storm and they don't see any light in their life, but there's someone next to them who can be that nightlight. Man, my God. 
how easy could it have been for Paul to take one of those boats off to the side and save himself? God would have saved him because he had purpose to save him. But he attached his purpose to a body. Oh, man. I'm, I, I'm going to say it even this way, a little more clear. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait. There are times, there are days. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. News comes flashing across, and you're like, why are people so evil? I'm speaking to people in this church right now that heard bad news one day that changed their life. No doubt there was a moment saying, why, why can't heaven come right now? Right? But I ask this question. Is heaven really heaven without your loved ones? Right? What good? What good is my mansion if I'm by myself? What good is my what good is the pearly streets of gold if I'm the only one walking them? I want to ask us right now if we could bow our heads, just close our eyes for a second. I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to be the light in your family? Are you willing to address yourself and be honest with God and say, God, I, I'm nothing without you. I first want to get that out of the way. But Lord, help me understand my purpose. Help me understand this storm in my life that it's there for a purpose and a reason. But God, more than ever, Lord, I don't want to be saved by myself. I want to bring everybody I can with me. Lord, I pray, help us connect with burden right now. Let burden overwhelm us, not just for our souls, but the souls around us. God, help me to love my, my wife and my children like never before. Let the burden of my marriage grip me. Let the burden of my home grip me. Let me, oh God, I pray. I have an answer to an endless night right now, God. I pray it's you. Begin to fill us right now. Prepare every lamp in this house, I pray. God, I pray bring us to a place, Lord, where we're filled, where we're renewed, where our, where our wicks are trimmed, where we get to know you and we're, we're in, in connection with you. I, I pray right now, help us to understand that these altars are wide open, that God, in this place, I have a refilling that I desperately need today. Come on, church, take advantage. Let God pour into you. Come on, let God pour into you. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. I believe wholeheartedly. <laughs> there is a there's one light in here that's going to save a family. I believe that. I believe that there's a light in here that's going to save co-workers. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You're children of the light. You're supposed to walk in the light, not in darkness. Come on. Begin to tear down those, those patterns. Begin to rip, rip off those bushels. Come on. Don't hide, don't hide what God made you. Don't hide your identity in him. Hallelujah. Come on. You're worth something. Hallelujah. You're important. You're set on a hill. You cannot be hid. Hallelujah. Illuminate us right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, pray with somebody. Put your hand on a shoulder. Begin to lift somebody. Encourage somebody. Be a light to somebody right now in the name of Jesus.
If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 